expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and we are live on 89.7 FM, WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. That's right, you can listen live to us on 89.7 FM, left side of the dial here in Tallahassee, or online at wvfs.fsu.edu. If you miss a second of the show, you can catch it in podcast form. Just search Tomahawk Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to call into the show today, you can do so at 850-644-1837. I think our uh, producer, Sebastian, will be manning the phone. Just call in and let us know what you want to talk about. It's going to be a lot of Florida State basketball tonight. A little bit of Florida State baseball, some NBA talk, a little bit of maybe some boxing later on if we have time for it, and obviously live updates from the Donald L. Tucker Civic Center where Florida State is hosting the Louisville Cardinals in what is undoubtedly the biggest game of the season thus far for Florida State. Biggest I'm, home game. Yeah, biggest, biggest home, home game. game. Yeah, the biggest game, game was huge. The, yeah, that was the biggest game. But I this one might hold more weight in terms of the standings. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, for Louisville, if they lose this one, they're pretty much out of the race for the it's, ACC so title. So it's Florida State. Yeah, it, yeah, this is really loser to go home. Um, for the regular season title, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, and you just heard him right there. Today, joined again, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Gary Putnick. Now, I know for a fact that this is the happiest uh, Gary will be all year. Oh, because for, yeah. For, for him and his Marlins at this point in time, spring training just getting underway, uh, there's this very thin veil of hope that protects but protects both Gary and the Marlins and the rest of the Marlins fan base until about mid-April when they realize it's just not going to happen again this year. I'm untouchable right now. The Marlins are 3-0. and The prospects are playing their heart out. J.J. Bladé had a, a great RBI single. You, you know the name J.J. Bladé, right? J.J. Bladé, yeah, yeah. Big time, big time Yeah, from swing, Bandy. So, there you yeah. go. So the Marlins are playing well. I'm happy. They're happy. First spring training, next the world. And uh, joining our panel tonight, and you just heard him with our disclaimer, is Austin Reynolds, if V89 Sports, I always say this, if V89 Sports had an army, Austin would be, he'd be on the front lines, Gary. Between hopping on the show all the time, running our Twitter account all the time, um, covering games, hopping on podcasts, Austin stays busier than pretty much anyone else at the station. Uh, He definitely does more work than I do, like that's for sure. Austin, so nice to hear your, your dulcet tones once again on the show. Uh, you read that disclaimer so beautifully. I might have you do it every week. <laughs> Not live. We'll get a recording of you. We'll have to get you in the recording studio. But but how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. Um, I appreciate all the kind words. Oh, I just try I, and I put, try. Put, put everything into this station that I can. So um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, would would love to be at the Tucker Center, honestly. But I mean, being with you guys is every bit as good. This this is this is fun in its own way, and I I do want to be at this t- the 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 TLC double C myself. But if there was some place else I'd rather be, it's right here with you guys. Absolutely. And making his his panel debut, he was on Seminole Segment not that long ago, but making his <laughs> debut on Tomahawk Talk, my very good friend of three years, my two-time roommate, so we were roommates, then we had a little bit of a split up, but then we got back together, as all great couples do, and our, our resident, New Orleans resident at V89, it's Alex Dupree. Speaking of New Orleans, Alex, you claim your Pelicans are the most exciting team in basketball. What's it like watching them since Zion uh, came back from that injury? I tell you what, they're my favorite team in all of sports, and I'll said it before, I'll say it again, they're the most electric team in basketball. And in my mind, Brandon Ingram and Zion have already surpassed the duo that was Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis for the Pelicans. Mm. This is all, I'm all in at this point, go Pelicans. Listen, I won't say that they've uh, already surpassed it, but I do think the potential's there. 
you have really got me on the Brandon Ingram hype train. Uh, you ordered and hung up a poster of Brandon Ingram like right above our te- television, and uh, I kind of uh, he's been on my mind a lot. He's yeah, the I mean, he's the new KD. He's Did the next you? Kevin Durant. I mean, his stats back it up. It shows it. I mean, he, first time All Star. The city's all behind him. I'm so excited. But yeah, you wait, you really got a Brennan Ingram poster for yeah. your living room? Of yes. course we did. I mean, he's, he's the new KD. He's the greatest thing in basketball yeah. right now. All right. Okay. Of course we did. Why, why wouldn't we? Okay. <laughs> all right. We are going to hop right into <laughs> you <do> it. You. <laughs> a little bit of a late start for us tonight with, with the, some of the music we let run in. Florida State, Curly trailing 8 4. Uh, about to get to the first media timeout at the Civic Center uh, with like 15 and a half minutes to go. Next stop, Williams. Will was it timeout. Williams for Louisville? Just went out of the game with the ankle injury. Came down with a rebound, twisted his ankle on a teammate's foot, so he's out of the game right now. So, so Louisville's. They did get good injury news earlier today, though. Mm-hmm. En- uh, Enoch has been one of their focal points this season. He he is active in the game, and is, was he in the starting lineup? I didn't get a chance to see um. their starting five, but he is a big piece for them. Uh, no, does not look like he was in the starting so five. He is available off the bench. That was huge for Louisville, but looks like uh, they're dealt with maybe some not-so-great injury news. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about men's basketball tonight in the week that they just went through. And, uh, you know, on paper, they, they beat Pitt at home. They went on the road and beat a pretty average NC State team uh, on Saturday. But I don't think a lot of people realize the weight that this past week carried for Florida State, and it led into tonight's game, which is, I know Gary said, it's definitely the biggest home game. I think it might be the biggest game of the regular season. I know that Duke game was huge. I know it's always a big deal when you go into Cameron Indoor thinking your team has a chance to win, Uh, but in terms of, and if they had won that game, it would have been huge in in terms of the ACC standings, but this is really kind of a do-or-die moment. Uh, Jay Bayless is on the call tonight. What a surprise. That's <laughs> depressing. I guess it is It is big Monday for ESPN. I guess um, well, I guess that's a plus side for us not being there, not at home or not watching at, we, the game. Yeah, we cannot listen to the audio. We have the game muted, so we don't have to hear Jay Billis. That's great. Uh, I'd much rather hear Dickie V. Um, anyways, they lose that game to Duke. Now it's kind of winner, winner go home in terms of the regular season title. And you guys know that I value, uh, you know, it's national title first, ACC regular season title second. It's not officially recognized by the conference as a, as a title, as a championship, but there will be a banner hung for it if they mm-hmm. win it. Uh, and it's just, for me, a much better measure of how good a team is over the course of a season. And this ACC season is a little different than seasons past. This ACC campaign started back in November. Yeah, more The season games. opener. The season opener was when Florida State started this campaign. They dropped that game. And we all, you know, we were like, yeah, you know, they'll bounce back. But we weren't sure how well they'd bounce back, that they'd only lose one game in their non-conference schedule at Indiana, a true road game. They're, I think they're only their third or second true road game in that non-conference slate besides going to Gainesville. They come into conference play, and they're in the thick of it for the ACC regular season title with Duke, with Louisville. We've talked about it all year. The conference has taken a step back. Florida State hasn't. And I don't think saying that the conference is taking a step back is like something you can that, that people that are looking at Florida State from the outside, I don't think that's a justified thing to say, well, that's why they're playing so well. Look how poor North Carolina is this year. Look how good Virginia is this year. Austin, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on this, this Florida State kind of character arc we've seen over the course of the season, how well they've done and, and how well, you know, how that's gotten them to this point? Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, with that season opening loss against Pitt, 
I think most Florida State fans were kind of thinking, oh, here we go again. We lost all these seniors. We're not going to be nearly as relevant as we, as we were this past year. But even just looking at some of the uh, the highest scores from last season, I was, I was looking at that from the, the last FSU basketball season. A lot of the names on there, um, I mean, for this season, rather, a lot of the names on the, the, the scoring list for this season were not starters, not not big contributors in 2018-19. Yeah. So just the growth that this this team has had, the ability of Leonard Hamilton and his coaching staff to bring up some of those fringe guys that got maybe five minutes a game last season and turn them into bona fide starters for this team, it's been great so far. And it's and it's obviously great to be able to look and, 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 and be excited for the AP poll that comes out every Monday and have such high expectations for Florida State because now the tide is really starting to turn in how this program is viewed nationally. And it's a really common trope in Tallahassee that Florida State is hated by the media, the national media pays them no respect, not even just basketball, like the football fan base says this just as much, even though that might not be as true as we like to believe. But now you look at how Florida State is being treated in the AP poll, Alex, they came in at number six this week. We're look, we, you know, Florida State fans were expecting a top five finish, but for, just for Florida State to be in the top ten week after week, and they and they haven't played. They've played a really good schedule, but not as crazy as some of the other schedules that the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Gonzagas of the world have played. What does that mean for this program? Yeah, I think it means a lot. Like you, you know, we kind of joke around campus and say FSU's a basketball school now, but I'll admit, after the first two losses to like Indiana and Pitt, I didn't think we were going to be that good this year. And uh, a lot of the names on the roster have really changed my mind. And at this point, I think we're a really deep team that has a shot at going really far in the tournament if they can really pull it together. So, yeah, we've, we've talked about it a lot, and we talked about it a little bit uh, you know, before the show, comparing last season's team uh, to, to this season's team. And my biggest takeaway, or my biggest talking point, is that, yeah, you might not have... The, the Kevin Gellies or the Terrence Manns of the world. You, you you have got you do have Devin Vassell, Pat Williams, Trent Forrest now. But the biggest difference I think between this team and last year's team is those bottom tier players. Those 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 players that don't get a whole lot of minutes, but can provide minutes when there's injury or when you need rotation, when you need to rest some guys. Those guys I think are better for Florida State. Uh, you talk about Raekwon Evans, Anthony Polite has really stepped up this year. Uh, Wyatt Wilkes I think has been an upgrade over that PJ Savoy role. I think he's played better than PJ Savoy. Talk about Raekwon Evans just had a huge turnover there. I think the floor is a lot higher for Florida State this year, and we 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 saw that Florida State team last year go cold like they did in some of the biggest moments of the season. Are you saying the floor or the ceiling is higher? No, the floor, which then raises yes, the ceiling. Well, well, the ceiling could still remain the same. The floor could get higher, though, and that just means that it's all closer together I and think, you're kind of squished. And, and Alex said it. This is a deeper team. And we've always mm-hmm. talked about Leonard Hamilton and the depth that he makes sure this program has. But this year, it's really kind of personified. The, the production that Florida State's getting off their bench... Last year, we got it pretty much solely from Fiondu Cavangeli. Yeah, and when the depth might not be reflected in the minutes, it shows when they're on the court, though. Yeah, like, exactly. There's, was, there's four guys from the NC State game this past week that didn't get over 10 minutes, but they all were there, and they all made a difference when they were on the court, and that's what really led to that game, and that in a pretty convincing win against the Wolfpack. And uh, Florida State currently trailing 11-6. Looks like Williams... Uh, a little bit, he might be in tears there on the sideline dealing with uh, that ankle injury. Um, no, no official news that we've heard on him yet. But again, Louisville uh, leading Florida State 11 to 6, 13 and a half to go in the first half. And that's that's Louisville's Williams, right? Not Patrick, not Patrick. Yes. Okay, sorry, Louisville, yeah. I, I thank you, Austin. <laughs> We're about to have all of our listeners freaking out for those that are not 
uh, listening to us while they watch the game, uh, which would be, I think, I tweeted out a couple weeks ago when we uh, were live during a home game that uh, that t- on tonight's menu is uh, Florida or Tomahawk Talk pairs well with Florida State men's hoops. So again, yeah, put us on the radio, turn your TV on, would be a good deal. Let's talk a little bit about the games they Florida State played in last week. They uh, took down Pitt 82-67 at home. Um, I got a chance to go to that game, and uh, it was uh, it was a delight. I mean, an easy win for Florida State. Uh, something that we expect them to do at home against opponents like Pitt. Pat Williams again went off seven for twelve from the field, sixteen points on the on the evening, five rebounds. He's gone, guys. Pat Williams. <sighs> It's gone. Not I, yet. Let's hold the phones, guys. He's still. He, it's. I know Kevin Gelly did. Like Kevin Gelly had the same kind of thing. He came off the bench all last year. Same thing with Pat Williams is doing right now. Still drafted in the first I round. I know. There. I think there's still a chance. There's still a chance he stays, guys. I don't know about that. W- when you said he's still here, I thought you meant like for the remainder of this season, and I, I was gonna go with yes. that. But he's <laughs> he's he's not coming back. He is. He is a legitimate, bona fide first round pick i mean like all signs point that way he graded that way coming into the season a lot of he was looked at as a potential one and done he was a five-star recruit and maybe beginning of the season we didn't see that right away but now i mean he's he's best player on this team easily yeah i think that right now leonard hamilton kind of has a tendency not to play these like one and done guys like in the starting role but really the trend shifting towards if you can get paid you got to go get paid in the nba at this point well and that's really going to be the key if florida state can convince him to play another year as a wink wink student athlete look at the look at the team that he'll have around him if Vassell also stays. That That's team, Scotty Barnes Scott, coming in, another five star recruit, another exactly. potential so, one and done guy. And then he'll still have MJ. Grant Trent will be Vassell's gone. gone. I'm just saying if they can convince both of them to stay. I don't think yeah, we have enough money. I don't think we have enough money. I mean, I don't think we have enough. What, were you, what was that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you slip up there? <laughs> I don't think they're <laughs> enough, so, enough, like con- enough, enough convincing juice. Yeah, convincing <laughs> juice. <laughs> Like the convincing no. juice that Marvin Wilson and Tamarian Terry got, yes. right? Enough, yes. There was, there's enough honey fried chicken to go around. Trust me. <laughs> oh, Trust yes, there me. Is. Yes, there is. And so, yeah, I mean, he's, but he's got, like, Pat Williams. Is there, who would, if you're an NBA team, and this is kind of pointless, but who would you take, Vassell or Williams? Who grades better in your eyes as an NBA scout, Gary? I think Williams with his physicality. Yeah. I, that's so what too. I kind of go for. Because the NBA, it's going to, you're going to need to be able to take some shots. You're going to need to be able to drive into the lane yeah. confidently. And Williams can do that for you. I think Vassell might have a higher ceiling. Like he's got, he's got the shot. Yeah, with the le- yeah, with that length that he has, like, and he, he can shoot it too. Mm-hmm. And he's like super long. Uh, but if I'm taking someone right away that I think can produce at the in, in the NBA, uh, it's it's got to be Williams, right? Yeah, I the think project- Vassell's a G League guy. He bounces around for a couple of years, then maybe makes an appearance but on a roster. The thing is, yeah. is, he's got that shot, which could put him above. And that's so so necessary in today's NBA, where he's got all the other skills. But he might get picked because he can shoot from distance, because he can, you know, produce at a lot higher level with that three ball that Williams doesn't quite have. But I think I take, I think I take Williams first. For sure, yeah. If for the Hawks, who would you rather have? Ooh, man. Um, we need some physicality because we have a lot of good shooters. So I, I would definitely go Williams. And then Alex for the Pelicans, who's the best fit I'd for with the, go, with the roster they've got now? I'd probably go Vassell because I think we need shooting. Vassell, you play him like a two, like a stretch two. Right. I like that. A, I like that a lot. Uh, again, both guys, so much fun to watch them play on the college stage, and it'll be really awesome to see what they do in their professional careers. Devin Russell may have gotten uh, started early with the uh, 
hanging out with the professionals. Yeah, maybe. We talked about yeah, uh, the other night. But yeah. let's move on to Florida State's weekend game. They took down NC State on the road, 67-61 in Raleigh over the Wolfpack. Uh, another really entertaining game. Uh, four Florida State players got into double digits in scoring. MJ Walker with 12. Trent Forrest got 10. He was 4 for 9 from the field. Devin Vassell, 4 for 11 from the field. He had 11 points. And again, Pat Williams, 3 for 8 from the field, but 6 for 8 from the free throw line. Picked up 12 points and 6 boards to boot. Uh, a win that maybe was not guaranteed for Florida State. Yeah, because down the line, down that last minute of the game, they went 3 for 10 from the charity stripe. I was and sweating. You cannot do that. I think early uh, they hit some shots towards the end. I can't remember who it was, but they before the the last set of free throws, they were one for eight. Yeah, and that's just pitiful at that point. And you cannot do that, especially against an NC State team who can prove that they can get hot quickly and they can shoot a three. And uh, before before we finish up talking about this NC State game and, and look at some of the other Florida State news from around campus, uh, Florida State trailing. 14 to 11 at the uh, under 12 media timeout. There's 11 and a half to go in that first half. Trent Forrest, though, Dom just got fouled for uh, on an end one, so oh. he'll be heading to the line right now. I was not looking at the right stats. I thought Trent Forrest had eight points. He's got eight minutes. <laughs> so Florida State distributing the ball. Raekwon Gray, though, he's got four. He's two for four from the field with two rebounds. Malik Osborne's got three boards and a basket. Um, Anthony Polite with the three uh, for Florida State gets them to 11 points, but still trailing Louisville. Maybe look a little slow out of the gate. I think uh, the crowd. Th- let's talk about this for a second. Uh-oh. The, what is Uh-oh. the deal in Tallahassee with the late arriving oh, crowd boy. at basketball games? The student section is good about getting to the game at a good time. I've noticed that the student section has Be- been usually because pretty good. they have to. It's general admission. Yes, exactly. So they're forced to, and, stu- and the basketball arena's student section is smaller than football, so you're not guaranteed as good of a seat. But it's, is it just traffic? Because I know from a Miami perspective, we use that as our crutch all the time for people asking, if, why is the AAA not filled? If you want to get to the on? game on time, you could get to the game on yes, time. Yes. It's just, are you, do you, I think everyone just believes that, oh, it's Florida State basketball. We can show up, we can get there at 7 o'clock for a 7 o'clock tip and be perfectly fine. So they leave their house at like 645. They think it's only going to take them 15 minutes to get the arena and ends up taking 30. And I do think there is still a lack of, of buy in from maybe some of the older uh, demographic uh, you can around Tallahassee? The boomers. <laughs> um, but, and the reason I really bring this up, and again, this is kind of inconsequential, it really it's really pointless, but it does bug me a teeny tiny bit, is that when Florida State's on Big Monday like they are, the primetime game on ESPN, almost a top 10 matchup, they're ranked number six in the country. When people are flipping through the channels, there may be a... a you know, a novice college basketball fan, or they're just looking for some sports to watch, they might only watch the first few minutes of a broadcast, or they might only stay on that channel for a couple minutes. They might not watch the entire game. They probably won't watch the entire game. So when we saw it when the broadcast opened, that that crowd pan with so many empty seats at at the Donald L. Tucker Civic Center, it's not a great look for a top 10 team. No, it's awful. Like, And Kurt Weiler tweeted out earlier, this is kind of what sparked our conversation, his tweet, that it just takes people a while to get to these games, and it's frustrating to see because this team deserves a full stadium each game. Yeah. And it's crazy to see that every now and then, like I'm, we're even looking at it right here and during the game, I can point out 10 seats in the first two rows that are empty. Yeah, because those are a lot of season ticket-owned seats that are used occasionally by the boomers uh, <laughs> that don't go to every game, that don't attend every game. 
and uh, it's it's a shame. I really like the argument that I know I've made it, a few other people have made it, but the student section needs to be occupying that lower section because there's a, the, like it is at Cameron, yes, like it is at every other stadium at, in Raleigh. Raleigh was that way Chapel too. Hill's the same way. It's crazy to think that, and like they don't get that respect. Like the student section, like what the Knoll Zone has been bringing back this year. Credit to Sam and Jake. Yeah, they've been really doing a great a job for the Null Zone. Yeah, and they don't—they have a little sliver out of the back, uh, like off behind the hoop, because they have to share their like pad with the band. Yeah, and so they don't even get the space that they deserve. And there's like this set of benches; they're not like right up next to the court. And I love the TLCCC or the Civic Center, whatever you want to call it. I've always said though, it is not a great venue for college basketball. It's a good venue for college basketball, not a great venue though uh it'd be a better hockey arena it would be yeah i think it would be fits it looks like it fits a hockey arena and i know the tallahassee tiger sharks were used to be in town here and have since left but it would be a lot better i think for hockey if i might interject i would agree with that sentiment uh as there is no hockey or ice rink in tallahassee Mm -hmm. uh florida state hockey has to go up north to georgia if uh when they practice and if they practice usually uh, most of their experience comes from away games, and every game is an away game, unfortunately, for Florida State hockey. Yeah, that's our boy a, Brooks that's in uh, the sports department should it, come on and talk about and that. That is exactly. our, that was our producer Sebastian. That's uh, a whole other argu- points. That's on. a whole other argument we could have on club hockey because club hockey should they should have a rink in Tallahassee, but obviously they don't. Man, if they could have, if we still had the Tiger Sharks here in town, I would. And they did like, this might be dangerous, but they they did like two buck beer nights on like a weeknight game. That's why uh, FSU baseball does not do $2 beers on $2 Tuesdays. Tuesday, yes. So that's why you can tell. That is that is very, very true. And uh, before we go to break, we're going to keep talking about Florida State basketball throughout the show with the game there. Now cut the lead down to two. Oh, nope. Louisville scores again. Still trailing four by four, 19 to 15. Louisville leads a little less than 10 minutes to go in the first half. But Florida State keeping it close. I don't uh, Have they led the game yet? Did they score first? No. So they've trailed pretty much the entire game against the Louisville Cardinals. And uh, b- But before we go to break, do want to talk a little bit about Florida State baseball, who got off to a rough start. We talked about that last week's show. They dropped their season opener against Niagara, then finished the series off fine. Then they've had four games since then. So they had their first weeknight game. They hosted the South Florida Bulls on Tuesday night and then welcomed the Cincinnati Bearcats, two American conference teams uh, in one week. Cincinnati Bearcats had a three-game set here in Tallahassee. And I didn't know a whole lot about the Cincinnati team, but they were a tournament team last year. They won the American Conference Tournament. They got an NCAA tournament berth. And uh, I was expecting it to be an exciting series. It was not. Uh, it was close for a couple of the games. Every, every first and second inning, Cincinnati would either have the lead or make it really close. Granted, when it wasn't 0-0. We'll try to look it up over the break. We'll have Austin do it because he's probably the best at I'm it. I'm doing how everything many, tonight. How many, yeah, he's, on, he's running Twitter tonight, too. I forgot to mention that. That is, we, we don't have anyone else here running Twitter, so Austin is like talking on the show and running Twitter. But uh, since he's, he's the one-man band over there. He really is. This week and every week. Um... Cincinnati, it's so many walks. We'll have Austin look up at break uh, how many walks they totaled over the weekend. Because that really, at one point, Florida State on Sunday's game was leading four to one with no hits. Not only walks, but hit by pitches too. Yeah, well, and Elijah Cabell, Cabell, yeah, Cabell is the magnet. Three in one game, tied a school record for most hit by pitches in one game. He's got eight on the season now. Not only is he making you know making waves with getting hit by pitches. He had three home runs this weekend. One on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, and that was good enough. Grand Slam on Sunday. Grand Slam on Don't Sunday. Cut him short. So that w- that was in Florida State. Took an eight to one lead with one hit. 
which is incredible stat line, uh, box score. Um, Cabell named the ACC Co-Player of the Week. I don't know who the other one was, but three home runs, 11 runs batted in over the weekend, and Elijah Cabell really taking off as, I said it on Twitter, the, the best player on this team, the best position player. You can make the argument that C.J. Van is a better baseball player, but, I mean, Cabell, he's been crazy. Yeah, and there's not much more you can say. He's actually started to figure out the strikeouts right now, but I don't know if that's actually going to hold because of the pitching that he's going to face is going to ramp up in skill level very soon. And very yeah. soon, I mean this weekend. So we, we, we've got to focus on, is he going to strike out as much as he did last year? That will be a talking point. Um, throughout this season, in, uh, Florida State baseball got a huge four, four games this weekend against two separate teams, both Florida Atlantic and Texas Tech. Texas Tech, another top ten team, Florida State, isn't in the top 10. They're number 9 on the D1 baseball rankings. Yep. So they're going to have a couple top 10 matchups. Florida State will play FAU Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Then they'll take on Texas Tech on Saturday evening and Sunday afternoon. A, a lot, lot of baseball. And FAU then you also plays Texas Tech as well. On Friday afternoon. So going to be a <laughs> lot of good baseball um, at Hauser this weekend. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the baseball and more about Florida State basketball right after the break. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WV, uh, <laughs> V89. WVS, WVFS Tallahassee, I really botched this. WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
And we are back here on Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. I'm going to keep talking a little bit about Florida State baseball before we get into a little NBA talk. We haven't done a lot of pro sports talk the last few weeks because the athletic scene around campus has been crazy busy as it usually is this time of year. Um, but Florida State baseball, big four-game series coming up this weekend. Two against the Owls uh, from Florida Atlantic. And then two from Texas Tech. Those will be two top ten matchups this weekend, which will be fun to watch again. Don't forget, you can call in uh, to the show at 850-644-1837. But, Austin, you did look up that, that walks stat from the weekend. So three-game set uh, against Cincinnati. How many times did Bearcats, the Bearcats pitching, uh, give free passes to the Florida State team? 23 over 3 That's not including hit by pitch? Not including hit by pitch, no. And there were a few of those as well. I mean, obviously none of them intentional, even though their bench was warned, I think, after Cabell got hit for the third time on Saturday. Um, but, Gary, I know the Florida Atlantic team, kind of near and dear to your heart. You're from down there. Yes. Uh, you watch a lot of games, watch their games before. You know some people on the team, I'm pretty I sure. Know, yes, I know the head coach. I played with his sons throughout high school. Very great. They're great people. So coach Max, great. I know you might not get the chance to go to the Saturday game, but you'll probably be there for Friday night's game. I will game. be there. I'm going to try to even go a little bit for the Friday afternoon game. Uh, oh, because they'll be playing Texas yes. Tech. Yeah, I'll that'll be it. So, play. yeah, what does, that, what does that mean to you for to see Atlanta? Because have they ever played in Tallahassee? They, last time they played, I checked it up on the media guide. I believe it was 1998, the last time these two. Were FAU, you alive? You were 98, baby? I was, 98, I was 99, baby. baby. So, but technically, I wasn't alive at that time because I was August ah. of 98. This was, I would assume, in the spring early spring late spring whatever so i haven't been alive technically to see an fau fsu baseball matchup you were and I've, you were born for this matchup exactly Gary. and i i these two teams i love their two styles of baseball fau has been a great team for the past i don't know for the past or for my whole lifetime almost they've always had a solid solid ball club and they've always done a good job of challenging the in-state teams like they play every single season they play miami two times they play them in boca raton and down in coral gables and every year it could it's in when the game's in Boca, it's usually a sold out game. It's loud. People fill both the berms on the side of the wow. field. We don't even see that here. It's the crazy. It's a it's a good time because like that like there's a bunch of UM people in Boca yeah. Raton, so it's a lot of UM fans, but it's also a lot of the FAU students come out for those ones and they get loud. So FAU's got a real good ball club. They always have a solid team. And I expect them to play some real good ball. Grand they didn't play that kind of ball when FSU played them earlier in the um in the NCAA tournament because yeah. they did face off in Athens this past summer. So that's right. F- yeah. So well, at first regular, regular season, season, regular season play. So yeah, it's the FAU got I'd say manhandled in those in that game, but I still F- believe like we said last last year or earlier last year, uh, Florida State nothing could stop them. No, they, they were, were they were being pushed by some higher power, whatever it is. The team of destiny. It was format. crazy. Yep. It was crazy. Obviously, the legend of Tim Becker was uh, alive and well in Athens. Um, but it'll be quite interesting to see how Florida State manages this weekend in terms of their pitching staff, because they've got four games, and although FAU will no will be no slouch, the the big marquee games here are going to be against Texas Tech. Now, baseball, especially at the college level, usually doesn't stray from their Friday, Saturday, Sunday pitching rotation. It'll most likely be CJ on Friday, uh, Drohan on one of the Saturday games, and then Grady either on the other Saturday game or on Sunday, probably Sunday, just to keep him in his routine. But it's going to be interesting to see how they manage their bullpen throughout the week because, like, in Texas Tech as well. Well, they also play JU, Jacksonville University, on on Tuesday. Tuesday, So they got to use, they'll at least use, I would assume, if they handle their business there and they play as they should, 
they should probably use four or five pitchers in that game. So those are four arm, four or five arms that you cannot use maybe until the late or early Saturday game. Yeah, it depends so, on how many they yeah, throw. You get a you few days rest, you'll be fine. It's all management, but still, like, you're going to have to do a good job of managing arms and kind of regulating when a guy should be coming in and out of games. And and they and they won't mess, like I said, the, the rotation will be set because they, they want those guys in a routine. They're not going to go out of their way to put pitchers in against Texas Tech because, like, it is an important game. It is a top-ten game, but it's a non-conference game. And ultimately, you want that rotation built up. You want those guys in the in those routines. Baseball players are creatures of habit, and, and that won't change. But, Gary, what would be a, a good weekend, do you think, for Florida State here out of the four games? Winning three, splitting the games. What would be a, a successful Win- weekend? They should beat FAU twice, and they should. I'd expect at least one loss to Texas Tech. A but, granted, there. FAU can come in, and FAU could take those two games from FSU. I really do believe FAU yeah, and can we, punch them in the mouth. That. They have a ton of depth in pitching right now. So that's something that FAU will really have an advantage over everyone because they're only going to be playing three games. They play the one game yeah. against Texas Tech on Friday, one game against FSU on Friday, and then one game against FSU on Saturday. Yeah. So they do have a short kind of week, and it's kind of a weird timing for their week, but they do have that depth in terms of pitching where they can really go at FSU and throw all the arms. But for FSU, they're pitching. The, I, when I've been looking at this weekend, I keep thinking in, of the pitching. It has to be kind of like, the NCAA tournament where if you get in trouble in game two, you throw in another starter, but like it's not that way, so you can kind of take it a little bit easier and go with bullpen arms. For sure. Uh, currently um, at the TLC double C, Louisville leading Florida State 26-22 with five and a half minutes to go. It's usually been, you know, it's been a four-point lead pretty steadily for the Cardinals, Florida State, you know, keeping it competitive right now, but currently trailing against Louisville. Louisville uh, increases their lead on that last shot. Florida State Shooting fifty-two point four percent from the field, so shooting at a pretty, pretty high rate. But probably just need to you know play a little bit better defense. They've let up twenty-eight points now with five minutes to go. Um, let's 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 uh, we're gonna have more updates from this from this game, this big big game at the Civic Center. But we haven't had a, a many chances to talk pro sports because of basketball, men's and women's, and the success they've had because baseball and all the excitement around their team, and even softball as well who has got really high expectations this season. Uh, let's talk a little NBA. So I know we talked about the All-Star Week and then out contest, the All-Star Game, and that was exciting, but that stuff's not real. That stuff doesn't mean anything. And there are a lot of good storylines this year in the NBA. I've really, really enjoyed watching the re- NBA regular season, and that's not something I say every year. Last year, I hated the regular season in the NBA. Every single narrative, and this carried into the playoffs, yeah. every single narrative was about where guys are going to be playing this year, like this coming year, so which would have been next year. Um, and that was, I don't know, it just wasn't about, there was, no, there was no focus on the actual games themselves. Am I right about that, Alex? Yeah, it seems like this year, like, players are kind of where we expect them to be. There's not a lot of big names coming up next off, in next offseason's free agency pool. And it's just really like, like, like the stage is set now, especially with big cities being good, like Los Angeles, Boston, where like we're really starting to see like the NBA take off. Yeah, for sure, and and it, it's not e- they're not even at full capacity yet. Look at the go- step the, st- uh, the steps back that Golden State's taking this year with the injuries they've dealt with, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Um, Draymond's been injured too. Obviously, they lost KD. He goes to the Nets. He hasn't played all year. Kyrie didn't play much throughout the year, and he's not going to play for the rest of the season. And the NBA, you've heard it a lot, it's as wide open as it's been in a long time. 
Next year, you're getting two more teams that are going to jump back in the fold. You've got some up-and-coming teams like your Pelicans, Alex. I know we're going to talk about them, but uh, you talked about it at the beginning of the show, but just let's talk a little bit more about what they're doing and their potential with Zion Williamson, with Brandon Ingram, with Lonzo Ball, and some of these other pieces that they can kind of build around. Yeah, so right now it's kind of interesting because the stage is set for most of the teams that are going to make the playoffs. Like, we pretty much know who's going to be in the Eastern Conference. And in the Western Conference, we know all about, except for one team, that eight seed is really uh, up for grabs. And the Pelicans are really primed to make, like, uh, like a run just even this year. Like, uh, they, they apparently have the easiest schedule left out of all the teams in the NBA, while the Grizzlies, who currently occupy the eighth seed, have the hardest schedule remaining. And, uh, and what it's looking like, ever since Zion returned, the Pelicans are on quite a run. They have a 7-3 and record in their last 10 games, and they're primed not just for next season, but this season as well. And I think there's a potential that they make the playoffs even this year. And I was excited just as much as anyone with Zion Williamson returning from injury, but I was at least a little bit skeptical at how fast it would take him to burst onto the scene to get used to the speed in the NBA and just playing in the NBA. And it's not just because, you know, he's thicker or he might, you know, some people see him as, like, out of shape. That's not what I thought at all. That's tough for any player to come back from what was a serious knee injury. You know, you you played a grueling college season, which you were injured there too, and now you come into the NBA and, like, that's tough for any player. Uh, and especially with the, the pressure and the hype and the phenomenon that was Zion Williamson, that is Zion Williamson, but through 12 games, he's averaging 22.8 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 2.5 assists a game. Austin, have, have you been impressed with what Zion's been able to do and how quickly he's been able to do it? Absolutely, yeah. I had the same reservations as you and I think most people about him coming off the injury, missing, I think it was about half the season, if not over half the season, but... His fourth quarter of action as an NBA player was phenomenal, and he really has not slowed down since then. So I think he and Brandon Ingram, like like Alex said, have been the driving force behind this Pelicans team. And given the strength of schedule comparisons between some of the playoff contenders, uh, fringe playoff teams for that eight seed, I would not be surprised if they managed to weasel their way in and set themselves up for a first-round matchup with the Lakers. Well, they're kind of getting hot at the right time. I think that's, you know, we, we've passed the trade deadline in the All-Star break. Teams are kind of set in stone. I know there's guys getting waived and bought out, moving to contenders. But now, like, the stage is set across the league, and it is wide open. A team that I was kind of on the fence about, but when I saw them play yesterday in one of the best regular season games of the season, the Boston Celtics, I think, are title contenders. I think so. It's going to be real hard to not only get past Milwaukee, but also Toronto if they have to face them at any time in the postseason. But the way they played in Staples Center yesterday against the Lakers was absolutely incredible. Jason Tatum is a star. 21 years old, he's not, he's nowhere close to his peak yet. Jason Tatum uh, and, and the rest of this uh, Boston Celtics team, Daniel Tyus, I think, has been a huge part of their success. And there are, and we've talked about our title favorites and who we think is going to get there, but there's so many well-rounded teams, and the Boston Celtics are, are one of those teams. Yeah, I'll say that, you know, if Kemba's fully healthy for the playoffs and that Boston Celtics team's running at full force, it's not bad when Gordon Hayward's potentially your third or fourth best player on the team. And they're well-rounded, they're pretty deep, and I have a lot of faith in that Brad Stevens can pull something together in the playoffs. And and so, guys, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, arguably the best team in the league right now, um, the, the fastest team to ever clinch a playoff spot, and that's probably more of a statement about the uh, state of the Eastern Conference than it is that actual Milwaukee Bucks team. But they are a great team, and there are many reasons why. Not only Giannis Antetokounmpo, they've got Chris Middleton, they've got all these other pieces that are contributing 
to their game, but what Milwaukee doesn't necessarily have the hype that the Lakers, the Clippers do, or maybe even the Celtics. Why, why is that? Wait, so are you saying the East isn't that good, even though you just built up and said the Celtics and the Raptors can that's both be teams. contenders? That's but three teams. I know, but I'm saying I'm like, that's, a, that's to a solid team. That's a solid conference if you have three c- title-contending teams in that conference. Every year they've had they've had at least three. But I'm talking I don't know about seed, that. When you're, eight seed right, when you're eight seed right now, is the 24-32 and 32 Orlando Magic? And then the team on the outside looking in is twenty and thirty-five. The team at the bottom of your conference is fifteen and forty-one. The yeah, Hawks, I, yeah, I sorry, Austin, close your ears. Second, second from the bottom, actually. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> yeah. I said the Cavs and then the Hawks. Okay, you got, got the Knicks and the Pistons, who are both just absolutely dog crap this year. That's that's a, that's the way the Eastern Conference has been in a while for for a while. Yeah, the top is good. You know, you've got the Heat, but are the Sixers real title contenders? I don't tend to Not think at so. All. Not anymore. You've got the real but good teams at this, the top. The, this conference has still proven that any team can win on any given night. I mean, the Heat went to Atlanta the other night and uh, and Trey Young dropped fifty points the against the that's Heat. The and, NBA, I but think. they only uh, he dropped fifty points and they only won by like four points. So I mean, they still it's any given night you can win on. In 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 most given nights, the Hawks don't win. So thank yeah, you for that. That's true. <laughs> no, yeah. Hey, I'll give you credit. They played well against the Heat, and they or Trey sorry Trey Young played well against the Heat. And that, he beat us. That's usually how it is, <laughs> the one-man show. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that, honestly. This season yeah. is a wash. Next season, we're building towards something better. So mm-hmm. just just watching my boy go off yeah, is great. I'll, I'll say that I think the Bucks are by far the best team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, like, easily. There's a gap. Easily. No, gap I agree gap. on that. Like, but, uh, I mean, I, I think at this point, Giannis is just proving that he, he can take on anyone at any point, And they've surrounded him adequately with shooters this year. Uh, there's just a, there's just a lot going for that team right now, especially with the matchups they're going to have like against the Magic and these lower quality Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, I'm I'm just seeing this on the on the ESPN ticker. We are watching the the game Florida State trailing 35-27 with two and a half to go. So Louisville has increased their lead a little bit, 37-27 now. So Florida State trailing by double digits. Not something you expect to see at home for the Seminoles. Not you never expect them to to allow this many points. At home in the first half, uh, they're gonna have to turn things around and turn it around fast. But one thing I just saw on the ticker there: Ben Simmons out for an quote-unquote undetermined mm-hmm. amount of time. The Philadelphia 76ers, they've struggled. They maybe some uh, locker room turmoil between Embiid, between Simmons. They've got a lot of bigs. They're they've they're just don't seem like a complete team. They've got the talent, but are they a complete team? My question is. Might they play not better because Simmons is a great player, but might they work together better without Ben Simmons? They're they're complete enough to drop forty one on my Hawks in the first quarter. That that game is going on right now. I got the ESPN notification and, without uh, Ben Simmons. Without Ben Simmons, yes. So <laughs> so maybe for, they are are going to play better for the but time again, being. They're doing all right. I don't want to use the Hawks as like the example. Like that's they're probably the barometer for this league. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that I think that Embiid is like. Well, easily probably one of the best centers in the league and maybe just the be, best i think probably the best true center in the, that the league if has you don't offered. consider ad a center yeah if you don't right. consider yeah. like ad or Giannis a center every once in a while then Embiid's probably the best true center but i don't necessarily think that ben simmons is the best point guard fit for him especially since when you have somebody at a low post you kind of want people who are going to stay around the perimeter allow him to do his job and i i kind of think ben simmons clogs the lane a lot for Embiid to really show up yeah. his, his footwork and moves in the post and there's not really many other positions in today's NBA that Ben Simmons could play besides point guard with that lack of a shot 
but I think he would have a lot more success on another team because they have Embiid. Or he would have a lot more success if Embiid wasn't there. I don't know if it's ever going to work. They're always going to be good. They're always going to be able to produce at a level to get them you know, into the playoffs and probably into the top four to get a home playoff series. But working together, I, I, Gary, do you think they could ever win a, win a title with that duo with Simmons and with Embiid? I don't know. Simmons just doesn't get I don't know. Simmons just can't get it done, I feel like. So that's why I'm going to say no, probably. But Embiid, on, I think Embiid on another team for sure could probably win a title. And another team that I've been really uh, slow to come around on, and, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm there yet, but I'm getting closer, is the Houston Rockets. Alex, talk to me about like, just what the Rockets have done since the trade deadline. They, they get rid of Clint Capella, who I thought was one of the most important pieces for that team, given the size and the length that he provided. But they went ahead and dealt him. Now, talk to me about what they're doing. Yeah, at this point, P.J. Tucker is the center of that team, and they've fully embraced D'Antoni's small ball system. Uh, basically, it's just a bunch of shooters. Uh, in D'Antoni's world, three is more than two, and that's really the only thing that his team has on the, uh, basically on the, in the playbook. And but what's what's come around and, and what's crazy is that it's working. They they're seven and three in their last ten games, and they really have wins against some of the league's top teams. They have, they have wins against the Jazz, the wins against the Celtics, the Lakers, and of course my Pelicans were also also fell to the small ball lineup with some pretty high quality big men on that roster. So it's 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 not like you know these big men are going off against PJ Tucker either. They're really holding them to their own, and they're still beating them, putting up all these points. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think if they can figure this out and really perfect it, they could go back to being a big-time threat once we get to the playoffs. Things change there. Harden might reach even another level of scoring production, something we might may not have ever seen from him before. Um, we are at halftime of the game between Louisville and Florida State. We're going to pivot just a second, talk about that game. Florida State. Trailing 40-32 to 32 at the half. The Cardinals lead going into the break uh, 11 points from Jordan Nuara. And if Florida State, the one thing that Florida State did in that game in Louisville was shut down Jordan Nuara because Louisville doesn't have many other scoring options besides like McMahon, who is 3-for-3 three three from 3 tonight. That's kind of hard to beat. Um, but Jordan Nuara, 4-for-8 from the field. He's played, he played in pretty much the entire half. 11 points and... Is this a surmountable lead for for the Knolls? I would I would think so. Yes, uh, given just how Florida State has played the season so far, um, they were able to close this half on a, a, a very clutch three point shot. Um, they've 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 kind of started slow. I mentioned this to y'all before. Started slow, gotten their fans kind of interested, uh, and then sort of worked their way back into the game over the over the course of the game. Um, but I. I it, it's not looking good so far, but I have I have faith. So if you've moved on your radio dial or turned off your TV at halftime or turned on uh, WVFS since the game is at halftime, we are talking Florida State basketball, giving a little bit of insight from their game right now. Uh, is at halftime. They're losing to Louisville 40-32. to A couple notes that I'm looking at uh, from the stat sheet. Florida State's turned the ball over nine times. They've only forced six Louisville turnovers. And on those nine turnovers... 12 points Louisville scored off of. That's huge for them. That's that's going to be the one difference maker in the Think Florida State. That when they usually show up like that in the first half, they're quick to turn around and stop 
and kind of cut that off in the next. So if they can create more turnovers and capitalize on that, Florida State's only got three points off of the six turnovers they've got that Louisville has conceded. I don't even know if they have to create more turnovers when they're on defense. They just have to limit the turnovers that they're letting Very up. Very true. And that's it. I think if you can just hold even with turnovers in the next half or just minimize them, not even get any more. You're perfectly fine. Another one. Florida State's <laughs> getting out-rebounded. We never see that. I mean, Not that's at been, all, That's no. been a big thing. That they're Very like, slightly. By one. By 17. one. But no, but usually they're at, like, the fact that yeah. that is at home. And Florida State, We talk when we talk about this team, we talk about their depth. We talk about their length. We talk about their abilities to force turnovers. And they've been able to use, throughout this season, rebounding as a way to capitalize on every single possession that they get. And it feels like for this game at least that Louisville's had more second chance buckets off those rebounds. I know Florida, I every time I seem to look up, I see Louisville missing a shot and then getting the rebound and subsequently putting up another layup. Now, you know, we've got to admit we're only kind of half watching as we try to do live radio uh, throughout the hour. Um, and it's hard to kind of evaluate defense if you're not, you know, fully paying attention. You can't really look at the box score and see how well teams played on defense. But right now, Florida State's given up 40 points. At home. I that's, don't know when the last time that happened was. That's unheard of. Definitely not this season. 40-32, um, to 32, they trail. They're at the half, so we're going to be off air by the time that game resumes. Uh, before we wrap up the show tonight, there was a big fight on uh, Saturday night. Uh, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. The rematch, They uh, it was a draw the first time they fought. Um, a legendary fight that went, I mean, obviously it went the distance. Uh, and I heard it had an amazing 12th round. That was a little before, like, I was, you know, really into the boxing and, and the UFC and the big fights. But I watched this fight. And uh, it was entertaining for multiple reasons. But ultimately, Tyson Fury put the beat down on Deontay Wilder, um, knocked him out in the 8th round of what was pretty much a one-sided fight. Yeah, it turns out the eardrum's a vital part of fighting when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah, and Tyson Fury probably won, Austin, would you say like seven of those eight rounds? I would say so. I was kind of keeping score myself. I, I don't know why. Um, do you know, like, I, do you actually know, like, how to, like... Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think he won that round, you know, based off of my... Yeah, really really the only round that you could argue that Wilder won was round two. That's just, what I thought. Just other than that, Fury well, the was first was pretty close. Which round was it that um, Fury got deducted a point for the uh, for punching in the clinch? I think that was either the fifth or sixth. Okay, I'm pretty sure that would have either been a draw or a, because a Wilder. Because that, that point deduction? Yes. Yeah, and, and the thing with Wilder, it was very clear kind of what his thought process was from the start. He did not want the fight to go the distance. To go the distance. No. He, he kind of knew, he realized that he had to knock Every, Tyson Fury out. Everyone, yeah, everyone was expecting that. He had to come out of the gates hot with that punching power that he has, and he made it evident. I think he landed one or two punches in the first one or two rounds where everyone's like, oh, shoot, Fury's in trouble tonight. Yeah, and he does have, he has that, that, and I don't know, like the technical term for it, where he kind of comes like downward with the right, and if he had landed one of those kind of flush, I mean, it might have been lights out right. for Fury. Fury, I think, proved to be a better true boxer, and ultimately, you know, it won him. Uh, it won him the fight. Now the question is, what's what's next for not only Deontay Wilder but Tyson Fury as well? Some people are saying Fury and Wilder three is in the works, um, which I'd like to see. I think. I, I, sure. Yes. Yeah. J- j- just not so soon. I think. I think I read earlier that Wilder has um, activated a clause in his contract uh, that would allow for a rematch to happen. I don't know when that would, when heard, that would happen. Yeah, I heard that both fighters, if either of them lost, they had within 30 days to activate that clause, and then obviously they would set a, um, a date at a, at a mm-hmm. later time. For sure. But the fight I want to see, and I think you probably do too, 
is Tyson Fury going to England, his home country. Well, he's, is he from England or Ireland? He's a gypsy. He does not care about home <laughs> countries, <laughs> I, I believe. It's, it's pretty true. I, I think uh, I remember seeing the uh, the Union Jack graphic next to his name yeah, on ESPN. Yeah, so he hails from the United Kingdom. Right. Against Anthony Joshua, who is one of the most beloved fighters over there. Anthony Joshua coming off of a loss a couple fights I, ago. I got, yeah, I was about to say, I know who I want. Oh, I, no. I want Andy Ruiz. I want the two big boys that in would boxing. That would be fun. <laughs> so much fun. Like, but I'm we not, know what would happen. We know Tyson Fury would just beat the living, you know what, out of Andy Ruiz mm-hmm. in that one. So I don't think that would be a contest. But yeah, Joshua would be for sure the more entertaining fight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ruiz might be the most likable guy in the sport. No, in, in all in sports. all, yeah. <laughs> um, and he did beat Joshua, but then was beaten like not that long. Pretty after. handily, right there, after. There, it went, there wasn't that much time. No, those it fell very quick too. Because I was, I'm pretty sure the first win for Ruiz, the Ruiz win happened in the summer, and then by the end of the summer, Joshua took it right back from him. Yeah, I think uh, the Anthony Joshua camp didn't want to uh, have that bad headline in the spotlight no. for too long. But if you had Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury. In London, at Wembley Stadium, one of the most storied stadiums in the world. I mean, that might be the biggest heavyweight fight of, of all time. That would be electric, honestly. I of, mean, all, I, th- of all time? In, like, globally, I, I think it might. I don't know. Do you, like, I, be- I don't know, but I feel like those the Tyson fights, all the Muhammad Ali fights, they were pretty worldwide. I mean, they, yeah, you're probably they had right. some yeah, fights down, was it? They had the I, Rumble I mean, in the Jungle. I'm <laughs> definitely like, I've definitely got some recency bias here. We're speaking on a lot of fights that happened before our time. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would be one of the biggest fights of our time. Yeah, but like in the pay-per-view yeah. era. For like, sure. That's what I'm Okay. Do we think Tyson Fury's Q score is higher than uh, Muhammad Ali no. or oh Mike Tyson? No. Or any of the other big names? No. So that's no, what I'm saying. That's right. why you can't really put it up there with but those fights. I'm, I'm just thinking in, in, I don't even in think England, it. they would probably be able to fit a little over 100,000 using the floor if they set up Wembley for boxing, which would be Nuts. incredible to have a stadium of that size um, <laughs> for, a, for a boxing match. But, I mean, who who would you favor now? Who would you pick? out of You know, it probably could be a year or two away, but... Fury or Joshua, if that is the next fight. With the determination that I've seen in, like, the work ethic... It would unify the belts, I think, too. Yeah, I believe so. But with the work ethic of Fury, like, I've seen... You see, all, you guys saw the pictures of his weight transformation. Mm-hmm. He went from being over, like, just overweight, just in awful shape, to flipped around what you saw tonight. I know, granted, it doesn't look like... He doesn't look like Anthony Joshua. He doesn't look like Wilder in terms of physique. But that's just a huge transformation, and it takes a lot of determination, a lot of like energy and time to do that so i don't know i might go fury next time in any fight that he's got he just seems like such a talented well-rounded technical boxer um and yeah i mean and I, his entrances wow it, I, I, it was <laughs> something what was funnier uh was after the fight after he won he was singing american pie yeah and i thought he was gonna sing like a couple lines maybe get to the chorus no. the first no, time no, no. and then he started with the second verse mm-hmm. and i'm you know i was singing along of course because it's just what i do uh but it was so awkward and so absurd that it was like the best moment of the night it was hilarious and i think that was kind of his point he doesn't care he's just having fun and he was he just fought so well in the way he wore down Deontay Wilder and what was maybe even more impressive than than Fury winning and winning the way he did was how long Deontay Wilder st- uh, you know stayed up there were many times when I thought that that fight probably could have been ended and he was using the ropes a lot and it, overall it was a good fight I'm getting more into the boxing scene getting more into the the, the fighting the MMA and the boxing 
I'm still not as knowledgeable as I'd like to be, but overall, I'm, I'm, I'm more invested. Uh, but that's pretty much going to be all we've got tonight. Again, Florida State right down the street at the Donald L. Tucker Civic Center, trailing the Louisville Cardinals 40-32. to Thank you to Sebastian, our producer. Uh, no Seminole segment tonight. Austin on Twitter, on the panel. So for Austin Reynolds, for Alex DePriest, for Gary Putnick, I'm Brett Rutherford, and that was Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next.